Angus Young, how you doing? Good, Becca. The offspring. How's it going, Becca? Dave Grohl, how you going, mate? Good, man. Pete, it's been a long time coming. Oh, Becca, hasn't it indeed? We go inside the dressing room, speak to the biggest names in music. Keith Richards, the Rolling Stones. And crack open their esky. That's exactly how I imagined you, by the way, sitting opposite me with a vodka and orange. You're a discerning chap. This is The Rider. Welcome back to The Rider with Becco, and we are in the final week of Under the Southern Stars, and if you missed it over the weekend, we did the Ultimate Companion podcast with the stars of Under the Southern Stars, only on Spotify with the music included, so you can follow that right now and get the best of Under the Southern Stars. But this week on the podcast, you remember 10 years ago, Slash came out with a brand new album, and of course, this is the favourite with Ian Asprey from The Cult. Now he's back with the album four. Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. The album four is out now. Time to catch up with a legend of the band. And when you think about it, what a story. This guy got the phone call saying, hey, you want to be part of the band with Slash? And he was like, obviously, yes, yes, and yes. And the audition went rather well. Todd Kearns from Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, the band with Slash. Hi, Chris. Todd, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Mate, really well. The stories coming out of this album are just incredible. I just love how you went to Nashville on a bus to get to... (laughs) Yeah, I know. Obviously, it's a great way to get to know each other, reacquaint each other, have conversations. But I guess it puts you in the the rock and roll tour bus kind of mindset before you get to Nashville. Is that what happened? Well, pretty much. I think the idea mostly was like, let's try and make it uh, as, you know, bubble tight COVID friendly as possible. It really didn't work. (laughs) So that's kind of the funniest thing about it was going through this entire process was, well, let's go, uh, you know, get in a bus, but that way we're all together. We get there We'll, we'll live in a house together, basically a gigantic ranch type thing, and then uh, and then be in a studio and at this house and ha- studio, house, studio, house. We had food ordered in. We never went anywhere. Um, and then day three, Miles Kennedy gets COVID. So. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, I'm sorry. Day five, I think he got COVID or six or something like that. So we um, we had recorded the majority of the record within five days. You know, then all of a sudden day six, Miles is tested positive. Although he wasn't feeling well the entire time, which makes another whole other conversation that he was actually going in there and balls out singing that stuff, thinking, gee, I, I don't feel 100%. And you're like, that's a trooper right there. Well, you know what it is? Often we all have a feeling after a big night, we go, is it covid or am I hungover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, lately everything has been COVID. It's like, man, I, I don't know. It's like, I think I have COVID, you know. Well, you got it done, which is great. And and also, this was the first album you actually recorded as live. Like, it was uh, a bit different for you guys. Not the usual, let's lay down the drums, let's, let's do the bass and guitars and, you know, work our way through. Yeah, I mean, I always intend to play as live as possible in that if we're focusing on the drums, like you just pointed out, you know, you, you get the drums and you start stacking everything beyond that. I'm always playing with the intention of like what I'm playing right now is, is keepable. You know, I mean, like the we can, you know, you, whatever I've just played, it, it often doesn't get kept because, you know, this the nature of like, um, we're not using a huge amount of amplifiers because it just bleeds everywhere and all that kind of stuff. So we sort of focus on just sort of the performance of the drum kit and then we kind of go from there. But um, in reality, 
we had done apocalyptic love. I did the bass and we did bass and rhythm guitars live. So back in 2012, uh, which is 10 friggin' years ago. Um, and now here we are, you know, all these years later, the idea of, well, let's just go into a room together and just track it as live as possible. In fact, there was no click track. I wasn't even wearing headphones after a while. I was just kind of like, well, at first it felt like, well, this is what you do in the studio. And then it just felt like, well, why? We're all, it basically felt like we were just in a, a rehearsal room together, just jamming with the amplifiers in the room, which is like, you just never do that in, in a recording studio. They always sort of make a point of like, no, you, uh, you have to, uh, everything has to be separated. Everything has to be sort of, you know, pristine and on its own. But Dave Cobb, to his credit, is a madman that way. So, you know, he just decided that we're just going to do it like this. And this is how it went. What makes that studio so special, by the way? The RCA, um, there's a lot of history there, obviously. In Nashville these days, is a real music city. It, it, it was country, but now it's just a mammoth music city. It really is. It's a, it's a really fascinating thing. I remember the first time I went to Nashville, um, I really didn't know what to expect, but I remember in the hotel we were staying in, I just remember walking, you know, up the stairs and down the hallway and it was all music. I mean, like, it's like when you go to Los Angeles, you're kind of like, there's music, you know, obviously we're aware of the music or New York city, you're aware of the music, but it's so much else, you know I mean? Like Los Angeles with the film industry and the television industry and all that kind of stuff. Um, New York theater, the whole other thing. But when you go to Nashville, it is music. Like it's only music. That's all they care about. It's songwriting, recording, uh, session musicians. I mean, honestly, you'll just walk up and down Broadway in, in Nashville and you'll hear like musicians who make you want to just put your guitar back in the case and push it under the bed. Cause you just feel like, <laughs> you know, I can't compete with these people. Um, but it really is, uh, that building is fascinating because of, you know, Chad Atkins and Dolly Parton and basically anybody you can think of in the Nashville world. You'd see the records on a wall and, and you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mental. Elvis Presley has oh. recorded more singles in that building than, than anywhere else. So yeah. you're like, wow, oh my God, sort of blows your mind. Um, but at the same time, I'm not the person, kind of person that gets, you know, sort of like freaked out by that. I think actually quite the opposite. I'm sort of more uh, inspired and kind of feel like, like that's, I get a real kick out of that myself. Yeah, well, of course you would. Yeah. And so when you got invited into the band, um, were you on the original debut album or did you tour that in 2010? Because I knew you joined around 2010. I wasn't sure whether you were on that original yeah. album or not. No, I was never on the first solo album. The first mm. solo album was Session Guys, Chris Chaney from Jane's Addiction, Josh Freeze on drums, Beth Bakagan and Dave Grohl played on some songs, yeah. stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then all those all those singers. So, so in reality, it was a record Slash had made sort of, you know, with no intention of of having a band necessarily. So, but what he decided to, to, uh, <clears throat> to, to promote that record you had to put put a group of guys together so you know bringing in brett fitz and then i sort of came in on brent's coattails and uh went from there so so from 10, 2010 march of 2010 basically 10 years ago today or i'm sorry 12 years ago today um or, or around now you know it's sort of like uh we started kind of jamming together and then we uh, did a live album in 2011 and then Apocalyptic Love was the next record. So everything from then, yeah, I've been around. And you were doing the, the, the vocals on a couple of those songs as well when you were touring. So was it was it the Iggy one and the, the Lemmy one, I think, from memory? Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
and, and backing yeah, yeah. vocals on on this current one as as well. Uh, so you know you, you got some, got some important important roles on top of being the bass player. Yeah, I, I wasn't brought in as a vocalist. I've always been a vocalist, but I was brought in as as the bass player. And 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 in reality, the intention of of doing, um, uh, you know, I just just you, you get hired for a gig or whatever and you yeah. do that gig and it turns out i well i could sing all that harmony or i could sing that harmony or i could sing that harmony and miles and i both being vocalists um you know he became sort of um very you know aware that like well why don't you sing this and why don't you sing that and he sort of like dictated you know the not dictated but sort of like why do you sing this part and why do you sing that part and and then when you know when it, the idea came up to trying the lemmy songs and miles was like i don't sound like that um, or the, or the e-pop songs or any of that kind of stuff. They just sort of said, well, why don't you sing these? And, and I think miles in reality, appreciates the, the, a little bit of a breather now and again. So, mm. so yeah, it's a, it's, it's been very, it's been very interesting having that role for sure. But as, as a kid who grew up with, um, appetite and use the illusions one and two, et cetera, even the spaghetti incident, by the way, which I kind of enjoyed, um, what was it like get, getting that phone call? Saying, "Hey, we want you to audition for for Slash's band." I mean, you must have just gone nuts. Well, the funny thing about it was, it was never put to me as an audition. Right. Uh, Fitz knows me. Fitz knows me well enough to know that I'm always up to jam. And you know, living in Las Vegas, uh, I was playing in a band, and we would have anybody who would come through town. You know, you'd be like, "Come down and jam," and we'd like, you know, we just. So I, you know, I had the opportunity to play with a lot of childhood heroes of mine, and and it became sort of normal in a way, you know. Um, and then I just got the phone call. Do you want to come down and jam? And I was like, yeah, of course. It was never put to me as like the bass player is not working out. Um, that kind of thing. It was sort of like, yeah, of course I'll come jam. I, I, I didn't listen to it. Like I didn't listen to anything. I was like, I just no appetite from top to bottom. Um, and some of the user illusions, you know, being a lot more vast. It was sort of a different thing, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Just went down and we, we just jammed and, that was that, you know, next, next thing I know, it's like happening. So what was the song you went with? Night Train. Nice. Uh, at least in my memory, it was the first, in fact, I feel like it was the only song we kind of jammed. We jammed that and maybe a couple others and, and it was just sort of like, yeah, cool. You know, like, and then, and the next thing I knew, like I said, it was like, we're doing Jay Leno next week, you know, or like the Tonight Show or whatever. And you're like, what? It's like, <laughs> the whole thing was very surreal. Oh, so it wasn't really enough time for me to like to, for my mind to be blown by the moment because it was just so surreal. Do you know what I mean? It was just so, it was just so strange. And it was, you know, it was a while before it sort of really kind of kicked in that, you know, oh, you know, that's the guy. And there was always something kind of, Fritz and I have actually talked about it, how like your expectations of what Slash was, was so much different than who he really was in a, in a sense, you know, he wasn't smoking, which was a big thing. Like he wasn't that guy you had known your whole life. Yeah. yeah. He was this sort of new, healthy um, version of himself. And, uh, and it sort of was kind of like, what's, what's about this guy? It's, is it, or what is it about this guy? It's something, something so, sort of different about him. Hey, be careful. Was, you might be killing his image here right now. <laughs> he, could be, he could be on the phone going, don't tell him about the health thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just sort of, you know, he was just this sort of like, I mean, the, the one thing I'll say for Slash is he's, he has this, the, the, the strength of 10 men that way. Like he's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of people would be like in his position would be like, 
just buy a chunk of land and ride it out somewhere and pet the dog, you know, but not him. He's just going to do this till the day he falls, falls down. Well, when you think about all those guys he's played with, um, it's amazing they all they all lived through uh, you know the the decade. Duff, who who really came close to killing himself so many times with with the amount of alcohol and drugs and everything, and Slash did his fair share, and and even you know Matt Sorum told stories about how it was like Scarface backstage at half their gigs. So, <laughs> so no wonder Slash has gone down this this path because he's got to survive. Well, there's a longevity game to it. You know what I mean? Like I've always said, the fact that all five original Guns N' Roses members are still alive and all four Motley Crue members are still alive. That's, all of those yeah. people, you know, uh, it's you know, their stories are just kind of like at any given point, one of them could have, you know, slipped up and not been here anymore. But um, I think the Slash, you know, when, you, when you've lived a life like that, where you've been there, done that, it just becomes kind of, what is there left to do? You know, eventually yeah. you just sort of like, um, you know, and I think for him, it's sort of like at the end of the day, I think he realized that music was really the the most important thing anyway. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, those guys have had health scares, you know, when it comes to like the, what they've done to themselves um, that were sort of like, well, if you keep doing this, you know, that's going to be, you know, it's not going to end well. So I think that that's no, there's no bigger sort of line in the sand than that. So thank Absolutely. God Duff and Duff and Slash are in better shape than, than they ever have been. So there's that. It's insane. I mean, actually, have you, have you had many sort of conversations with Duff over the, the last sort of- Many, you know, many, yeah. many. Yeah. Did he give you any advice? Well, he's a, I mean, he's an amazing man in so many ways. I mean, he's, he's done so well for himself, even beyond just music. Um, I mean, luckily he had the, the platform of being in a mega successful band that sort of created the money for him to be able to invest into the next chapter of his life. But, um, you know, I think he's, he's such a, a health nut and I am not, you know, I'm like, I've just been very fortunate that I'm kind of like this, um, you know, I just never got entranced by all the things that, that caught those guys. Um, but those, you know, he says Duff is just an animal as far as like, you know, he's always got to be doing something. He's on a bike or he's running or he's, you know, I'm like, dude, stay home and pet the dog. <laughs> <laughs> And, and look, this, um, you know, the, that first Guns N' Roses tour, you know, what, three or four years ago, I guess, um, that was something we never saw coming. Um, did you ever see that coming? I mean, all the conversations you had with Slash and finally it was like, oh, we're actually going to give it a go. I, I wouldn't say I saw it coming. Um, in a lot of ways, I think that we were so focused on what we were doing. It was not really, you know, not something that it was just kind of in mind. I kind of always felt like there was certainly a possibility because no matter how much, you know, no, 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 never, 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 you really do feel like there's always, like I say, it's like, I never feel like bands break up, even with all the musicians I play with in my life. I feel like there's always an opportunity that presents itself to find yourself back on stage or in a studio with somebody you play music with, you know? So when I never really believe in that door, it just gets closed. You know, I think that it's sort of like no matter what Slash did in his life, he was always going to be associated with Guns N' Roses, you know, whether that presented itself again or not. But um, I think, you know, for the right reasons. And, I, you know, when it was sort of brought to me, I was like, well, you kind of have to do that, really. It's like, you know, it's your legacy. It's your it's kind of like you got to go at the top of the mountain and put your Slash flag on it and go like, this is who I am. And And as a fan, it was just like, well, I have to see that, you know, I, I have to, I have to witness this. So 
I think it's 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 an important thing. Like I yeah, say, I didn't yeah. see it coming, but at the same time, I wasn't surprised when it did. And yeah, it was happening sort of all around the same time of you guys putting out music. I'm more as well, surprised man. that we're I'm more surprised that we're still doing this. Well, he's a busy bloke. I can't believe he's able to to juggle, um, you know, two bands, uh, recording as well, uh, and films, films, produces films, uh, a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 the whole thing. Yeah. So you're from Vegas yeah. these days. Yes. What's the Vegas music scene like now? Because a lot of musicians sort of tend to be gravitating towards that area now. I find that all my Los Angeles friends are, are finding their way to Vegas or Nashville, depending on what you're you're up for. Mm. The, the good thing about Vegas for us, and I have always believed it to be a distant suburb of Los Angeles. You know, it's like a four-hour drive, three, four-hour drive. But uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm close enough that anything I have to do in Los Angeles, I, I can do, you know. Um. I've always loved Vegas in that it is another city built entirely on entertainment. So music and, and, you know, if you can juggle or you're a magician or whatever the hell you have, you can hypnotize people, you know, it's like whatever it is, you'll find some kind of gig there. So there's a kind of like, you know, um, you know, like, like, like circus folk or something. Like there's a whole thing out there where it's like, you find yourself kind of like, you know, like, like I literally am friends with magicians and hypnotists and all kinds of nonsense. You're like, I never would have thought I would I would know these kind of people, but uh, but that's Vegas. And the, and the cool thing about Vegas, when I walk into a casino, I think to myself, how many gigs are in this room, in this building? You know, because it's a it's a casino, and there's like there's a lounge over there, and a club there, and a showroom over there, and everyone has either a duo or a full band or a solo guy over here. And I think to myself, that's what I love about it is that you can come to Vegas, and you know, with a little. In, you know, um, ambition and, and some talent and you can, you can pay the bills and have put a roof over your head with a guitar in your hands or, or something like that. You yeah, know, and I, yeah. that's basically, that's basically why I, why I'm there. I always kind of figure, well, when the, when it all falls apart, I'll just, uh, I'll just be singing, you know, sweet home Alabama in some showroom in the corner there. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, hopefully it doesn't come to that. But you're right. I mean, Vegas is a, is a great place for that. And, and the, There's worse ways yeah. to end up. There's exactly. There's worse places to end up. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, do you go yeah, to the yeah, casino yeah. as much? Because I always thought locals in Vegas don't actually go to the Strip very often. But uh, maybe as a musician, you probably do go a bit more. Not to the Strip that often. There are actual local casinos out in the different corners of, of the town as well. Yeah. But um, but you would be surprised because a lot of you know shows that come through town or restaurants and all that kind of stuff—they're all located in, in casinos and whatnot as well, shopping things like that. So, uh, not 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 a lot, but we do we do end up going to the, to uh, to the strip on occasion. And like I say, uh, there's so much else in the casinos. It's not just just uh, gambling or gaming, as they call it. In the, yeah, yeah, the the correct the uh, definition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this opens up so many doors to you, um, being in, in in Slash's band, and 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 you know you meet so many people. Is there anyone else now you want to kind of work with? You know, you've developed a, a friendship with, and you thought, you know what, I, I'd love to give that a go. There's a lot of people, honestly. I, I'm such a fan of music, you know. I'm like, I really am. Like, um, like I just, you know, I love music so much. It's like I always kind of felt like if if they were teaching like, you know, music history in school, I think it would have been, well, it would be a very specific chunk of music history. Cause I was always very good at like this guy produced that. And that guy's the guitar player for this. You know, I was never very good at school, but I could sure retain the things that I loved. You know, obviously there's the guys like the Paul McCartney's and the Keith Richards and those kind of people that I would love to, 
to to know and to work with. There's other people like Steve Stevens from Billy Idol is a friend and uh, an associate, a colleague, you know, uh, but we've never ever done anything together. I would love to. No, I would love to do something with him. I think he's like one of the most, one of my favorite all-time guitar players and heroes. Um, it, it's it's a long list, frankly, like Ginger Wildheart from the Wildhearts. And uh, I've been lucky enough to play with Michael Monroe from Hanoi Rocks and all these people that I grew up loving, you know. Iggy Pop, I, I've never had a chance to meet, even though I've been singing his song as Slash for a long time and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I just love music so much that I, I'm always in heaven about it you know steve stevens you're right i mean brilliant guitarist and but but certainly imagine having iggy, iggy pop on your resume uh you know you got to get yeah. your shirt off though uh on his last two he's got a very <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. he's got a great great band though but he uh, does yeah you know that'd be insane the album number four um have you got a, a favorite song on that where you you straight away go okay that's the one we we really Jill live. Well, actually, we, we're playing six out of the ten live already, which is kind of unusual for a band when they put out a new album. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's very unusual, but uh, not unusual for us because we will eventually play every single song. Every single song that this band has recorded as a band has been played live. Um, it's just the way we do it. Um, April Fool is a really is a favorite of mine. Um, we haven't played it live yet, which is interesting. Um, uh, at least in front of people, we've played it. Uh, you know, in, in other things, but uh, so I'm really excited to play that one. Fall back to Earth. We haven't played live yet. It's also one of my favorites. Um, so we've been slowly adding them. Like mm. we just added uh, Spirit Love the other night, which is a really, a re- really fun song. It's actually quite challenging because I do a lot of singing in that one and playing, and a lot of the time I'm doing this sort of like, you know, uh, where they're not necessarily in in, in syncopation with each other, where I have to kind of split my brain into okay this is the singing and this is the bass you know but i always love that kind of challenge i, I actually really enjoy that stuff well uh you know what I, I like the idea of, of duff having a sick day and you getting the call up because there's something about uh <laughs> so, some of these guys who are in you know in in covers bands you hear these mo- like movie scripts and you're going you know what the guy from the cover band getting uh the job in the main band it happened to in a way chris slade from um acdc like he was off playing covers of acdc for like that's dec- right. A that's decade. Right. Then got a phone call saying, "Oh, Phil Rudd is a bit of an issue. Uh, <laughs> can you come and yeah, play?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, isn't that just insane? As a kid, though, to grow up with all these bands, uh, have the opportunity to play with them, or even just to meet them and talk about music, is just just so special. And I'm I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's, to me, it's you know, like I say, it's like I'm I'm, I'm such a fan of music, and uh, you know, Alice Cooper is close to our camp. And it's just one of those things where I just find it surreal, you know, where we're like, wow, man, like I, you know, like that's a legend really, you know, it's like to sit there and, and listen to him, just tell you what he had for breakfast or whatever. It's, just, it's very surreal. You know, you're like, okay, wow. Is it, um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, there's, there's always someone else to meet as long as there's a beetle alive. As long as there's still a beetle alive, you have to kind of think that there's <laughs> there's always hope. something to do. <laughs> yeah. Finally, the podcast is called The Writer, which uh, you know you'd be well used to. So the 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 one thing I do want to ask everyone is, what is in your writer? What do you demand? Is it is it getting more extravagant? It's pretty. It, you you'd be you'd be really disappointed, frankly. <laughs> it's actually mostly health nonsense. I I I am the strangest thing about me is I'm not a big. Uh, party drinker kind of guy, but I, I always have had a great deal of love for um, red wine. I'm not a mass drinker, but I, I love it. 
and I generally have one bottle of wine on every rider and go home with a wine cellar's worth of wine. <laughs> so that's like, yeah, you know, as I, much to my wife's chagrin, it's kind of like, we gotta, we gotta make a second wine cellar, you know, it's like, so that's been an ongoing project of mine, of mine for years, but um, mostly it's, you know, very standard fare. You know, I, I, I keep telling myself, it's like, Ooh, this trail mix is really healthy. And it's always the trail mix that has like, uh, you know, like chocolate in it or whatever. It yeah, just essentially yeah. just, just just ruins the entire idea of this healthy thing that I'm eating. So, yeah. Wine does impress me though. So uh, what you got to do, do, do now is when you have leftovers at each gig, uh, you need a road case which allows you to pack a, a bottle of wine per gig. And by the end of the tour, you've probably got, uh, yes, you've probably got about a, a couple of dozen or something at least or longer. That's kind of the idea, which I stole from Getty and Alex and Neil from Peer, uh, from uh, Rush. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. They they started their you know wine collection, wine cellars. I mean, they're probably getting infinitely better wine than I than I get. But um, but even my friends, a band called the Tea Party from Canada, who come down to Australia all the time. Yeah, those yeah. guys were huge on it. They'd go down there and they'd come back with crates of Rosemont Estates wine, and I'd be like. Man, these guys are so much cooler than me. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, I never thought to do that. Now I'm like, out oh, of hell with it. I'm going to try and you know, try and take advantage of the of the entire experience. It's fun too because it's like you come back with stuff from you know different corners of the world that you wouldn't normally have. Chile, you get pisco. Uh, you go to Australia, you bring back a bottle of red wine. If you go to America, obviously bring you know for us it'd be bring back a bottle of bourbon. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea actually. <laughs> I'm not as creative as you've just been. I'm like, wow, you know, I usually leave it up to the promoter to pr- pr- give me whatever they're going to give me. <laughs> go for gold, as far as I'm concerned. So good to meet you and, and chat about rock and roll and 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 best of luck for some tours, which I'm sure are going to be uh, announced very very soon. And we we can't wait to see you down here. Um, It'll happen. You might already know. Maybe uh, it's it's already on the cards. But um, congrats on uh, the fourth album too. We can't wait. Best coffee in the world is in Australia. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but it, it's the truth. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot Aussies moving to LA and opening up coffee shops for that reason. Yeah, and we're hip to them too. There's a few that we're like we we've been chasing down because they're specifically Australian. Yeah, isn't it funny? Who'd have thought? Well, look, uh, mate. Take care and stay safe. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Thanks for being on the rider. My pleasure, my pleasure. Take care. What a great bloke. There he is, the bass player of Slash's band, Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. And the album is out now, four. Go and check it out. If you missed our special for Under the Southern Stars, the Spotify exclusive with the music included, you can check out that right now as well on Spotify. Next week in the podcast, I reckon it could be the biggest one so far. The lead man of the band, Incubus. He is back with a brand new solo album. Next week... One-on-one with Brandon Boyd. I'll catch you then. This is The Rider with Becco.